Well, hello and God bless you. Welcome to BlaineCouragesYou.com, where we are here with the word of the Lord to encourage you to stay on the wall for the Lord. My name is Blaine, and as always, I count it a privilege and a blessing to be here with you on this, the 38th episode of our podcast. Well, BCU family, we're going to take a little turn this time, and we're going to talk about taking no for an answer. Yes, take a no for an answer. So take this time to get your Bibles, your notebooks, a snack, something to write with, and settle on in. Blaine Encourages You is coming to you with a lesson from Matthew chapter 7. That's what's coming up next. BCU family, so take no for an answer. You know, when you think about that, it's pretty counter-cultural, if you will. It goes against the grain of a lot of what we've been taught and what we know. However, there are times when no is a good thing. So let's go to the Word of God, and then we can talk about it a little further. Once again, we are in Matthew chapter 7, and we are going to be looking at verses 7 through 11. So let me go ahead and read that in your hearing, and we'll go from there. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Verse 8 says, For everyone that asks, they receive. He that seeks, finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. Of what man is there of you, whom if a son asks for bread, he will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? And again, that was Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11. So uh, many of us have heard these scriptures and we rejoice uh, when (laughs) verse 7 comes um, out of someone's mouth. And we're excited and we should be. It's the word of God. And it's a promise. Um, Asking and seeking and knocking and, you know, all the good things that God does give to us. And he does give us good gifts. Where I want to focus is... Uh, verses 9 and 10, right this minute. Of what man is there of you when a son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? And the reason that I'm stopping here is because I've experienced this in my life and, and still do struggle from time to time with it. And I'm prayerful that this will bless someone that's listening or reading is that many times, unbeknownst to us, us, we ask for serpents. We ask for stones. And we don't realize that what we are asking for, what we are begging God for, what we are fasting for, what we are pleading for, what we are going to the throne of grace for is not necessarily good for us. You know, in our limited sight and wisdom, 
when we see something or when we desire something or when something comes across to us or if we've been, you know, praying for a long time for something to come to pass and something that looks really good and shiny comes into our our vision, we immediately many times go to ask God for that. And when it's not working out, when it's not coming to fruition, you know, we continuously, we ask and we seek and we knock and we're looking for the Lord to do it for us when really it's not bread, it's not a fish, it's a stone or a serpent. So the earliest account of not taking no for an answer um, really happens in Genesis chapter 3. And that's when, of course, the serpent, we just talked about the serpent, um, that subtle beast in the field walked up to Eve and said, you know, mm, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden. And Eve said, mm, we can eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit on the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God said, do not eat it. And not only BCU family did God say not to eat it. He said, neither shall you touch it or you will die. That's a very clear no. So the serpent, of course, with his very wily self said, "Ah, surely you're not going to die. You know, God knows that you're in the day. Your eyes will be opened and you will be as gods with a small g, knowing good and evil. After that point, Eve saw that the tree was good for food. She looked at it long enough and it was pleasant to the eyes. And a tree desired to make one wise. And after that, it was a wrap. She took the fruit, she ate it, and she also gave it to her husband. So this is where, if we stop right here, and again, that's Genesis chapter 3. And that last verse was verse 6. This is where, when God gives us a clear no, that we should not go and continue to ask and to seek and to knock. There are things that God will tell us very clearly that we shouldn't do or we shouldn't have. And when we go outside of what he says to get it, there are consequences. God will never, ever take away our free will to make choices. We're just not free from the consequences of those choices. So Genesis chapter three goes on to say that, of course, once Adam and Eve partook of the fruit, that their eyes were opened, they knew they were naked, and of course they went to sow some fig leaves together. And shortly after, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking through the garden, and he was looking for them. And um, they said that they were hiding themselves because they were naked and they were afraid. And of course, you know, God asked the question he already knew. You know, who told you that? Did you eat off that tree? And of course, they had to confess that they did eat off the tree. And You know, because there was a direct disobedience there, there were, again, consequences. So the serpent was the first one that got punished. And for those who don't know, serpents used to walk. They used to walk. So that's why I said it walked up to Eve. And you see in verse 14 of Genesis 3, chapter 14, it says, Because you've done this, you are cursed above all cattle and above all beasts in the field. Upon thy belly you shall go. And the dust you shall eat all the days of your life. And for those that may doubt the account that snakes used to walk, 
uh, I had taken a class in college. I don't remember what class it was. And the professor, uh, who was a huge evolutionist, and we used to go back and forth about, you know, evolution and creation. He was uh, explaining about snakes and how they have pelvises. And he tried to say that through the evolutionary process, you know, they eventually evolved and they started to, you know, slither, which, you know, people of God know differently that um, they used to walk. They used to walk on two legs, just like we did. And that part of that curse was that they had to crawl or slither on their bellies. I digress, but nonetheless, just an important point. All right. So the serpent got his consequences. And of course, um, there was going to be enmity between the serpent and the woman. Most women do not like snakes. (laughs) And unto the woman, um, God said that I will multiply thy sorrow in conception and thy conception. I'm sorry. I will multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow you, you shall bring forth children, and your desire shall be to your husband, and he shall rule over you. All right. And then Adam did not escape. Of course, he blamed Eve, but he didn't escape either because he partook. And you know what? And God said that. God said, because you had hearkened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree, which of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. I said no. The Lord said, I said no. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In sorrow you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread till thou return into the ground. So, at that point in time, you know, now Adam had to till from the ground in order to bring forth uh, food and whatnot, because he didn't have to do that before. And again, this is in Genesis chapter three. I just read a quick account of it. But the point is, is that not heeding to the Lord's no brought them consequences that they really weren't thinking about. They didn't think it through. And I'm sure we're not the most pleasant. So it's a lesson, a cautionary lesson for all of us to understand that when God denies us something, that we have to trust that he knows best. He knows what he's doing. And because he has infinite wisdom and can see up the road, he's going to know that this is, no, 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 daughter, this, what you're asking for, this is not bread. This is a stone. Stones hurt. Stones can kill you. Stones can maim you. Stones can cripple you. At some point in time, if I gave this to you, you're going to be hurt. Wait for the bread. No, 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 my son. You're asking for what you think is a fish when in disguise it's a serpent. Serpents are slick. Serpents can draw you in, as we saw here in Genesis chapter 3. And then they strike. They bite. They kill, they poison. Wait for me. Trust me on this one. This is a no, this is a negative. But trust me, the fish that you're asking for is coming. All right, so some of you might be thinking, okay, Blen, it's one thing when it's laid out and God says no in the Bible. What if it's something that I'm not 100% sure about? You know what? The word of God has got us covered there as well. When I say us, I mean me too. Turn with me, if you will, if you can, to Joshua chapter 9. 
Joshua chapter 9. So I won't read the entire chapter uh, in its entirety. Definitely, this is worth a read uh, when you do get a chance to look at it. Let me just give you the highlights here. So many of you probably know who Joshua is. He took over um, after Moses had passed away as the people were being led into the promised land. And Joshua was a mighty warrior and done great and amazing things with the help of the Lord. So Joshua 9 chapter 2 says that um, what happened was is that because of all these victories and because of all this fighting and winning, uh, there was this one particular set of people, the Gibeonites, who heard, okay, word got to them about what Joshua had done in Jericho. And they did work very stealthily. They, they started to use their brain. And what they did is that they passed themselves off as ambassadors. They took old sacks and wine bottles and ripped up things. And their shoes were all beat up and their garments were beat up. And they had dry and moldy bread. And they came to Joshua. These folks were looking for protection is what it was. So they came to Joshua and they claimed that they were from a far country and they wanted Joshua to make a league or a promise with them so that they would not be destroyed. And Joshua had questioned them a little bit, you know, from where have you come? You know, who are you? And these folks, the Gibeonites said, we're just from a far country. You know, our servants have come because of the name of the Lord thy God. And we've heard all your fame and all that he's done in Egypt. And, you know, what you've done with the kings of the Amorites beyond Jordan and uh, to all of these other kings. And we just we just want to make sure that you know that we're your servants. And please, you know, make a league with us. You know, make this promise. You know, look at look at our bread. It was hot. It was hot bread. And, you know, we've been on camelback or muleback or donkeyback for so long. It's dry and it's moldy. And, you know, we started off with new wine bottles and now they're old and beat up. And our shoes and garments are all beat up because we've come from so far. We've come from so far. So verse 15 of Joshua chapter 9 says that he made peace with them and made a league with them to let them live. And the princes of the congregation, they swore unto them. All right. So once you made a promise, you couldn't go back on it. I'm going to go back to, to uh, verse 14, though, in that same chapter nine. And the men took of their food and listen to this and asked not counsel at the mouth of the Lord. Joshua and his his troops did not ask counsel at the mouth of the Lord, and they went ahead and made peace with these enemies, which they weren't supposed to do. So, you know, of course, they had to keep their word, and you can go ahead and read the rest of everything and what happened in Joshua chapter 9. The main point to take away here is, is that we need to seek counsel. So when we're asking God for something, when we are seeking him for something, we have to be prepared for whatever his answer is with the help of the Lord and receive it. Now, is it always going to be easy? No. Is it always going to be pleasant? Uh-uh. Who loves to hear no? Especially when it's something you really, 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 really want. When it really seems good to you. When it seems excellent. When it seems like a great opportunity. That job or that move or the house or the car, or the ministry, or whatever it is that you desire in your heart, 
You've got to check in with God to see if this is the direction that he wants you to go in. Amen? Amen. Remember, we don't want to ask, you know, to to have a specific ministry. We don't want to seek after that car or that job or whatever it is that's in your heart's desire. And it turned out to be a stone. And it turned out to be a serpent. This is why when God says no, we ought to rejoice and thank God. How many of you can look back over your lives and give God praise for his answer no? I know I can. All right, BCU family. So we're going to get ready to wrap things up. And as we do, taking a look again at Matthew chapter 7. Please do not misconstrue what was said here today. Certainly, we want to ask so it shall be given. We want to continue to seek so that we shall find and continue to knock so it shall be opened unto us. So definitely, we want to be sure that it's the good gifts that we are asking God for. And if we're asking for something unbeknownst to us, that's a bad gift that we are okay with that in the name of the Lord. We may not like the way that it feels initially. Typically, further on up the road, the Lord will show us that that was not the right gift. It was not the right thing to give you. Or maybe it's not the right thing to give you at that time. Because, you know, we're reminded in verse number 11 that if all of us being evil, remember, we are striving for perfection. We're not perfect yet. We're striving for it. So if us being evil, if we give good things to our children, for those of us that have children or we work with children or people younger than us, nieces, nephews, whatever the case may be, you're not going to give a six-year-old the keys to your car. That's not a good gift. You're not going to let your 10-year-old gorge themselves on candy and sweets. It's not a good thing. Those are not good gifts, you know. So if you're not going to do that, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, our perfect God, who made the heavens and the earth, and who knows the beginning from the end, who knows us, who knows what's best for us, who knows what the plan is for us, how much more will he give good things? Oh, hallelujah. Good things to those who ask him. So yes, let's learn how to take no for an answer and hang on for the good things. Amen? Amen. Well, this is Blend from BlendCouragesYou.com. Thank you so much for stopping by, for tuning in, for reading, liking, sharing, following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're also on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio, so you can find us all over the internet, as my niece says. So we're going to go ahead and wrap things up. May God bless you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. May he bless you with his best things. And until we're together again, stay on the wall.